0: Welcome to AI Nerd, AI with Attitude. Today, I am joined by Manoj Saxena. Manoj, you have so many titles, I'm going to let you explain that here in a minute. And Ashley Kasavan, who is the Executive Director of AI Global. Uh, guys, why don't you take a minute? I know you a little bit. Take a, Manoj, tell us about who you are, and then we'll back into why we're talking today.
1: Um, thanks again, Tom, for doing this. Looking forward to a, a good dialogue here. So um, you know, my focus primarily, I'm an investor and entrepreneur and educator in this whole area of, I call it trustworthy AI. And uh, my current role, there are two primary ones and a small one on the side. One is I'm the executive chairman of a company called Cognitive Scale. And I'm also the chairman of a nonprofit called uh, AI Global. Ashley is the executive director of that. And then on the side, I have a family office um, that I make investments in uh, trustworthy AI, and I have about six six, six companies that I've invested in. And before this, I was the first general manager for IBM Watson uh, back in 2011 and stayed with IBM for about three years and uh, left IBM after that to create a venture fund, which um, we had good investors in and good outcomes. So now I focus primarily on this area of building responsible and trustworthy AI.
0: Wonderful, you know, and I didn't sell it short, you, you have a lot going on. So there's there's even more than that, I'm sure. But that's just the surface level that's relevant today. Ashley, uh, thank, thank you for joining us. Well. Could you tell us, tell us a little bit about you and your initiatives you're working on there at a, uh, the uh, AI Global?
2: Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And it's nice to actually be on one of these discussions with Manoj. <laughs> so, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I am the executive director of AI Global, which is a nonprofit that's dedicated to building tangible tools to actually resolve some of these challenges we'll talk about today with AI, primarily focusing on trustworthy and responsible use of AI systems. And uh, how I got here was I threw many of Minosha's backgrounds from you what you heard. Uh, he was involved in some of the work that we were doing with the government of Canada. So I was the director of Data and Digital for the Government of Canada where we were responsible for building the first policy related to the responsible use of AI systems. And from that learned a lot and I'm tra- starting to contribute that knowledge to a broader audience now with AI Global.
0: Well, thank you. That's, you know, so the the reason, you know, I reached out to both you and I, and I truly do mean, thank you for taking the time. I know you're probably endlessly asked to do things like this. And the fact that you came on here is incredibly appreciated, but I have a real passion for, uh, these technologies and what they can do it for us. And I have an incredible fear of Mm -hmm. what what is certainly happening and going to happen more, which is they're built in a way to be completely unfair, unjust, uh, profit driven, and and not any real responsibility built in. There's certainly no regulations. So I I came across Certify, which is a cognitive scale uh, technology that's based on a trust index and making sure your models are fair. And Manoj, we had a conversation about this and then you're like, hey, I should grab Ashley. Could you maybe take a moment you know, made you start to talk about Certify and then lead that into some of the work that, that, that Ashley's working on at the uh, at the organization, please.
1: Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> thanks for that. I think the when I was running Watson, one of the <clears throat> first things that um, hit me was how, um, as we start delegating more and more decisions to machines, important decisions to algorithms and machines, human beings are going to be requiring for those to be explainable and trustworthy and bias-free, because it's one thing for Watson as the Jeopardy machine to answer a question on Jeopardy and not have to explain itself. Is another thing for Watson or any AI technology to be used for handing out credit or collections or HR decisions or healthcare delivery. Uh, for those models to operate as uh, black boxes. So the genesis of this, um, this this whole area, I call it. Um, we are on this inequality autopilot right now we are in a world that we are putting the world on an inequality autopilot because more and more ai and more and more algorithms are being used to start um, deciding everything from when you wake up what music you listen to what movies you watch what school your kids go to what loans you get who you date who you get married to and if you fall sick what kind of healthcare do you get so all of these decisions are being delegated to machines. And most of these algorithms, um, not just machine learning, but even statistical learning and rules-based learning, these systems operate as giant black boxes and they lack transparency and trust. And now there are multiple cases, like uh, you heard of the famous case with Apple Card when it came out, Um, uh, uh, a blogger and a a writer just like you uh, applied for a credit card as does his wife who had a higher salary than he did and he got more credit than his wife did from Apple Card. And uh, New York Times and followed up with an article on how a black family of four making $140,000 a year were being given the same credit um, access to four houses as a white family of four making $55,000. So there is a lot of these things that are well-documented and recently United Healthcare was accused by blacks of having giving less medical care for the same health condition um, to blacks versus to whites. So I think this whole notion of building uh, an algorithmic society and which we are already becoming faster, building that on a basis of transparency and trust is something I believe will be one of the most important things we have to do. And I started looking for parallels and this was about three and a half years ago Um, one piece was what a government's doing about it, and second piece of what a business is doing about it. And the parallel analogy I came up with was that of a FICO score. So for a human risk and a human credit, we have a thing called a FICO score. Uh, It's a well understood score on which a lot of decisions, important financial decisions about you are made. And I started thinking, what is the FICO score equivalent for a digital brain, just like we have a, a FICO score for a physical brain. And that journey got me working with the governments and then with Canada where Alex Bene, who was uh, Ashley's boss and Ashley, were uh, trying to figure out the same things in Canada. I happened to give a keynote there and was immediately struck by both the energy and the passion and the vision that Ashley had uh, working in the government of Canada. And it was sort of like a welcome mind melt. You know, we started talking and uh, that led us to building the very first Certify kind of a tool which essentially was the first metric we call it, um, you know, AI Trust Index or ATX, uh, but think of it like a FICO score on data and models. And Ashley was the one who then piloted it for the government of Canada, and that led to us deciding to um, have her come on and join this uh, nonprofit called AI Global. So that's sort of the history there of uh, three plus years in. Uh, about ninety
0: seconds, like a pro, you just transitioned <laughs> right over to it. Ashley. Tell, tell us about how your, you know, then your, your perspective, your point of view, and your passion behind it as well.
2: Yeah. So at the time, uh, not only were we working on that pilot with Minoj and that was really related to transportation safety. We were starting to see how there was a whole bunch of different departments within the government looking at using these tools without really knowing what their implications were. So. We had everything from the national capital region, um, which is predicting when the canal was gonna be open. And so this is a really small and simple example of something that's gonna help people to vacation plan. And the risk there isn't super high. However, at the same time, we also saw these predictive algorithms being used for determining who gets to cross the border, who gets a student visa, who gets an expedited student visa, and that was being piloted with particular countries. And there was a lot of actually investigation done then by the University of Toronto saying like, Hang on a second, do you have all of your facts straight in terms of the data that you're using to make these decisions? Um, Similar to what Manoj was saying about bias in um, whether it is for credit card scores or access to different types of services, the same issues are applying in that government context with really important things like not only who gets access to benefits, but also as I was mentioning with student visas. And this can be a big difference in the path or course of somebody's life. And so when we were trying to think about that, um, we thought it was really important to put some sort of policy or oversight in place. Um, That's the, there's the world of FICO scores kind of to, and regulations that businesses have to adhere to and internal to government. We have policies to oversee um, how those services should be operating in a fair way. At the same time though, What was really interesting for me was recognizing that those regulations and those external kind of governance controls and mechanisms really should be fairly similar to what the oversight was inside of government for the use of these services because in many circumstances it is the IBM being contracted to be developing these tools or using Watson within the government um, or other any of these types of companies and so why should we have a different set of rules externally and internally when there's the same types of assurance or trustworthiness that you want when actually adopting those practices, whether you are the end consumer or you are the service provider of that. Um, And everyone, I know we all have different relationships with government, but you would want government to be a trusted service provider of these different tools. And as somebody working inside, there's tons and tons of desire to ensure that the public gets um, the information, the knowledge, the access, the services that they need in a timely fashion, but the ability to do that um, requires a lot of knowledge that maybe we don't have internally right now, so there's a lot of reliance on those vendors in that relationship, and so being able to work in hand with industry partners like Cognitive Scale at the time gave us that insight and knowledge that we needed in order to build out an appropriate policy. At the same time, though, um, there was still really big big gaps when we were, we can put these rules in place, we can say, have third party review, ensure that the data is of high quality and isn't biased. But as Manoj said, a lot of these systems are black boxes. And so there still needs to be a better understanding of how do we provide not only oversight for those accountability measures I just mentioned with independent or third party review, but also things like what are the latest ways to have some insight into those black boxes within explainability measures, and so that's what we're trying to do uh, with this work at AI Global, because as I was mentioning, there's a bit of a learning curve when it comes to the use of these systems, and we can expect all organizations, including government organizations that are primarily working in an analog world, to know how to may test that these black boxes that they're using are explainable and lack bias and so those are the the gaps that we're trying to fill right now with the work that we're doing at ai global
0: so you, you mentioned the government is that i mean in the the examples given earlier with you know loan decisioning things like that is there any one industry more at risk or more in need of it first than others i mean everyone i think needs it but who who really needs to go first I don't know who would like to take that, honestly,
1: but. Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, definitely financial services, right? Um, To me, that's, you're making big decisions about people's quality of life, particularly in a COVID kind of environment. Um, We we look at areas like, I call it credit collections and care delivery, right? So financial services and healthcare are the two big ones, but I've been surprised that, um, you know, industries, supply chains, you know, people, doing, you know, manufacturing, people in chemical processing, all are coming in. But primarily, I think the two big industries here will be banks uh, and insurers and uh, healthcare companies. And with COVID, uh, with a lot more capital being given away and a lot more healthcare being given away, there is a higher and higher sense of urgency about making sure that your credit processes, your collection processes, and your care delivery processes are explainable and not, um, you know, biased. I don't know if you uh, want to
0: ask any other.
2: Yeah, one thing that's interesting is, um, and I want to go back to something that Manoj said earlier because I couldn't agree more, is this uh, lack of autonomous decision making. And so that's something that we're starting to see with. Um, behavioral nudging and whether it's through social media applications or whether it's through just prediction systems and all of our various different services, that's something that I think is critical because it's those small little cuts that we don't typically see. It's like a suggestion of buy this sweater or, oh, did you know that there's a sale to Aruba? Whatever the case is, but these are various different things that could have an impact on where we go and who we meet. And like we've seen with a lot of the social media examples, when that circle gets smaller and smaller, we're starting to see how that there's reinforcement behaviors that are happening that might not actually be that accurate or true to who we necessarily are or would be. So I totally agree. I think financing finance and health is where we need to start. And there's really clear, critical issues there. But those more invisible and seemingly smaller things with that lack of autonomous decision making um, is frankly what concerns me the most.
1: So that's, we, that's actually, just to add to that, I think things like social media, education,
2: yeah.
1: and, and even HR, uh, because what you're, what you're teaching a child, uh, that algorithms are deciding what content is to be fed, right? And then social media with this whole, I call it the human brains were hacked by black box algorithms. That's what happened with Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff, because we didn't have a control over the transparency and the bias-free nature of these algorithms. So I, I think uh, financial services, healthcare. I love this whole social media piece, and also education and HR. These are all important areas.
0: You know, the thing I'm trying to get my head warped around is when, like, when you build an AI model, it's usually very specific to a set of data, and you apply the model to that data. So, be it healthcare and you know, uh, chatbot, whatever it is, right? You have to train it. But when you're looking at black boxes, uh, not knowing maybe w- what the model or what the algorithms are doing, is it even possible to do this in an explainable, non-biased way?
1: Yes, yes. Brilliant question. And by the way, that's the heart of the invention that we had to certify at, at cognitive scale, which was, you know, everyone knew that banks' models were probably biased, but the regulators could not go and tell the banks, give me a model, I want to look for it. The bank would say, I cannot, because that's my proprietary IP. I'm not going to give you my intellectual property, Mr. Regulator as powerful as you are, because it's taken me 10 years to build this. So what Certify does, it uses this very unique technology. um, It's a combination of two technologies called genetic algorithms and counterfactuals. I, I actually call it using AI to control AI. So what this does is it says to the person who owns the model, don't give me the model internals. Give me a data set that goes into the model and give me the output of that model. And using this technology called counterfactual fingerprinting, we run thousands and hundreds of thousands of variations of that data set into the model and the output of the model. And we start looking for boundaries where the decision changes from yes to no or from no to yes. By doing that, we can start coming up and we have written a technical paper on it that uh, it actually starts predicting the model's behavior that is as good as a white labeled model uh, in a white box model. So this was the genius of work of Dr. Ghosh, who is the chief science officer of cognitive scale and Dr. Jett, she wrote her PhD in this around counterfactual explanations. Not only can it work on a whole class of models, not just machine learning, but also you know, um, rules-based systems and statistical models, It can also start giving the end customer what they could have done to change the outcome. That's a very unique thing. So if I apply for a loan and my loan gets denied, Certify can tell you, well, sorry, a loan was denied. And it will also say, here are the three reasons. If you had two less credit cards than you do, it probably would have been approved. Or if you're in your job for three more years longer, you probably would have been approved for this loan. Or if you had one credit card less and one more year on the job and you were married, you would have been given this credit card. So this notion of pushing business explanations all the way back to the end consumer or to a regulator is a very important capability that Certify provides because of this engine that no other technology today does.
0: It, well, it'd be interesting. And, and I want to hear how the uh, AI global fits into that model. Because I understand the commercial application perfectly. But it'd be interesting because that's all based on data. So the data came back. Hey, you weren't applied because you're of a different color. Because you have a sexual orientation and uh, you live in a certain part of town that has higher crime rate, and that's what they provided back. That might not be, that might be a little too transparent for the company to to buy. It might be the end of the product, product service. But I, I get it. It's, it's, it's data driven back. But that probably would not be provided back to the customer until there was a, a trust index of some sort applied to it to say we are providing good reasons not to give you credit as opposed to inappropriate or non diverse, inclusive, equity based ones.
1: That's right. Now I think the way to think about it is there are two different products. So first of all, AI Global is a nonprofit, and whatever tools that we are building is being built with the community. And Ashley will go more into the process. But the simple way to think about the relationship between AI Global and Cognitive Scale is Cognitive Scale is a commercial provider of these. Um, think of it as a Norton antivirus for trust. You know, certifies a tool that will give you a rating on how good your models and your data is. And AI Global is working on a certification mark, um, not unlike what Leeds does for building certification. And they would use tools like Cognitive Scale or from IBM or from Google to come up with the ratings for their certification. So there are two different products at play here. AI Global has the certification product and Cognitive Scale has a model intelligence and control product. And they kind of come together. And Ashley, probably you want to talk about more how you're doing it from an independent perspective.
2: Yeah, I think um, I'm, and I'd love to go into that in a second. I think just one thing that I want to say on the counterfactual piece, that's really important. I think what, um, and I'm happy, Minoj, that you mentioned Dr. Ghosh, because I think that what's really interesting about this work is it's been very theoretical up to this point. There's been a lot of discussions and white papers and reports that have been written on the need for there to, be more explainability, be more bias detection, ensure fairness. But the ability to actually apply that um, and translate those principles into practice, there's only a handful of companies that are doing that right now. And with um, Dr. Ghosh kind of at the table making those tools happen, it's really interesting to see that process and test them back so that they're not just happening in these theoretical labs. So that counterfactual work is quite, not only impressive, um, but important to how we understand it in the wild, um, as people say. So with that, um, one of the things that we're trying to do, and as Manoj mentioned, is that's just, that's one of the components that we would see in an overall umbrella certification. And I say umbrella because the model is similar to LEED, like it is LEED for buildings. And so they might have Uh, a standard that they reference for the luminosity of a light bulb or how thick a wind pane of glass needs to be to understand their control just, I guess I should have mentioned this at the beginning is sustainability of building development. So that's what they're trying to achieve um, in a similar way that we're trying to achieve responsible and trustworthy AI. And so with that, they reference these various different standards that might come from IEEE or ISO um, or a building developer might have created a standard in the same way that Cognitive Scale is creating these types of standards um, for the AI space. So uh, just this morning I was talking to IEEE, we're going to be working together because they have a certification program, ECPAY, which is looking at um, transparency, accountability and bias. And that will become then reference standards or reference certifications that we build into this broader umbrella certification. So as Manoj mentioned, it's critical that we're working with um, not only standards organizations, uh, legal entities, governments, civil society. And then that's why I mentioned this about Dr. Gosha at the beginning of this is because it's imperative that we're working with academics through this as well to make sure that we're testing the latest and greatest. Ideas and incorporating them into that uh, broader standards development, and through the work that Cognitive Scale is doing, we can leverage that. We don't have to do and invent all of these things on our own.
0: You know, you mentioned the word fair yeah. in there. Uh, that is definitely a um, a term not fair across the world. Yep. Let, let's take extrapolate the the, the models and, and the fairness ratings and the in the index and apply it uh, to different regions, even the U S let's say Uh, how, how (laughs) is that even possible to maintain fairness of a model, even in in the same set of rules, let's say the United States, but then in a region of state or local or whatever it is, maybe just talk about that and then go even bigger than global where you know how the rules we apply to let's say this loan decision would absolutely cripple the economy of another country. But we can. We need to have these stricter rules, whatever. It is. So, talk about how that. Just talk about that. I mean, that is just so confusing. But at the same time, no, no, it's got to be a problem.
1: A, that's, a, that's a very good, um, challenging question and the right question to ask. And um, I think I think the key word here is contextual. So, fairness. First of all, um, fairness and bias are typically used together uh, as a term. And uh, from a speaking purely from a Uh, engineering and a product perspective, bias is the mathematical way of measuring uh, discrimination. Okay, so bias, there literally are, I wanna say 37 different mathematical ways and Dr. Gortz wrote a paper on this of measuring bias. Okay, so mathematically bias can be calculated. Fairness is the social implication of that metric to decide whether it is fair or unfair. So for example, in this Apple example of a man being given more credit than a woman um, would be considered, you can calculate the bias. And then one country might say, you know what, that's unfair. But another country might say, well, that's fair because that's how we treat men versus women, right? So fairness is the social interpretation and implementation of bias, which is a mathematical number. And to your point, fairness would be contextually separate based on state or a nation or uh, even a geographic area of the world. Um, Another example, in healthcare, the way claims are processed um, and the way claims are paid out, Florida has different set of claims processing rules than Illinois, than Arkansas, than California. So the notion of what is fair and unfair for hiring and for claims processing varies by state, what the tool does, what Certify does, is it gives you the ability to, using this trust index, externalize what the bias metrics are, and then you apply this cartridge, we call it LRR, rules, laws, and regulations, that then makes that bias metric contextual to whether it's fair or not. That's the way we build the bridge between bias and fairness, and it is doable. I don't know, Ashley, if you wanna add something to it.
2: Completely, yeah, and thanks for that, Manoj, because I, that there are mathematical definitions as Manoj is saying. Um, So whether or not you are testing a system against or a model, sorry, against equalized odds or demographic parity or fairness through awareness or fairness through unawareness, these are different mathematical methods that apply in particular contexts. One of the challenges when we're talking about AI systems is we're talking about the data that goes into them. We're talking about the model that's being used to process that data or understand and interpret that data. And then we're also talking about the people process around it. So decisions that are being made, the trade-offs that are being made and something that you were saying earlier um, around fairness and it being determined differently in different regions is accurate. Um, One of the things we should say is we're not um, we're not going to get all of this right the first time. Like this is definitely a phased approach. And so we're learning a lot about what's acceptable, what these thresholds of acceptability are and aren't kind of as we proceed. But as Manoj was mentioning, there's already laws in many circumstances, and they might be by region, they might be by country, they might be international laws that are established that have set some of those thresholds already and kind of tested these. And so when we talk about, AI in these contexts, it's important that we're respectful of those laws that already exist. And one of the things that you probably you haven't heard us say today is ethics. And I think that that's something that um, I've seen a big shift in. And this was something that um, I was educated on when working with global affairs in the Canadian context is that for that exact reason that you're mentioning, our ethics are potentially different than another country's ethics or another region's ethics. And even in the US it's diverse among states as you're mentioning. And so these are things that we're aware of, but related to what Manoj was saying, there is, there are not only thresholds of acceptability that everybody is identifying, there are mathematical ways that we can test these things. And what we're looking for and why I mentioned those process pieces that are so important is because then Based on that, we're determining what's fair and what's not based on that context. And so maybe that becomes a generally accepted practice at an industry level. Maybe it becomes a generally accepted practice at an international level. And that's why we work with international organizations like the World Economic Forum, like UNICEF, um, to make those determinations. We're not we're not working to establish those standards. Like I said previously, we're trying to adopt all those practices and make all of what I've just said in an easy package for people to navigate because that's part of this is that, it's easy enough to say these things like let's be fair, make sure that there's no bias. Um, But when you get an engineer that's trying to meet a deadline um, and do it within a particular budget to build a system, they don't even know where to start. And so our certification that we're doing is kind of like a roadmap that's taken all of these different factors into account and allows them to more easily navigate what they need to do, what levels of threshold they need to be um, thinking of And then also more importantly, what conversations they need to have internally so that they can weigh these pros and cons because that data that Manoj was saying is like spit back to you to say, okay, well maybe it's discriminating against these types of demographics more than others businesses might not have known that. I don't think that any of them are like, oh yeah, we really want to make sure that women get less less access to capital. That's, it's just historically been unknown. And so we've proceeded as such.
0: Well, and and, and so it's fair to say then what you're trying to build is not the, obviously the silver bullet or the win all, it's to raise the bar on the quality of the models that are out there And and to do so in a way that seems to be fair by itself and focused on uh, an end goal of this is better than the last iteration and, and using the using own technology itself to do that. So machine learning. I, but I'd have to think if, they, if you're running models against an index, won't the, maybe this is the point, maybe the models, do they start manipulating your, your technology just to pass? I mean, how do you protect them from just push? Sure. Is that the idea? You're just you're trying to get them push it just far enough. And then you push the model a little bit more on your end and they have to push it on theirs tell- tell yeah. me how you get from being a company, like a, a taybot.
2: <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's going to be tons of ways that people find ways to manipulate regulations or policies. This happens all the time. Like we're not, as you said, definitely not the silver bullet. Um, but what we can do is try and advance that leadership. And what Manoj um, has put up on the screen right now not only shows the dimensions that we are assessing against. So we've talked about explainability and bias and fairness, and so that's where we're leveraging tools like and knowledge that certifies created. Um, but also looking at data quality and robustness and accountability. And I've spoken about accountability through some of those processes, but we already have standards um, that exist to understand risk management, uh, which we would see as something in accountability or data quality with ISO 8000 um, that we've used for more than a decade now. So the other thing that, and on the left hand side, you'll see that it's, going from um, different scale, like a scale of certified to platinum. And we should mention this is all kind of in under consideration right now, but we do want to have a program that scales that allows people to get certified at the next level that's encouraging better behavior as you get up higher and higher through that certification process.
0: Is the the pie chart equal for the purposes of graphics or are they all equal in the idea of their
2: importance? Great question. They're all equal together. So that's the other thing that um, is important to know. Again, I keep mentioning this, looking at data models and processes. So there's, those dimensions are assessed against each of those components um, to really understand within each of those. So there might be a variety of, there might be a variance in questions asked, but they're all equally important.
1: And then the other part I wanted to bring this up was there are multiple companies that we are piloting this on. So like the most important part here is this is community driven and it is iterative. So we are not saying we're going to get this done the right way. Being a, a car guy and a, a and a racing enthusiast, I look at it and say, you know, when Ford Model T was w- came out, the first crash test rating probably only looked for bumpers and how strong the bumpers are. They didn't have a thing like airbag or Steering wheel going into someone's chest or whatever. So, right now, we are just getting their model, Ford Model Ts and cars being built out. And we are coming out with the first certification on safety of a car. And with the community, we are building a roadmap. And this is the mix of people who are telling us hey, while the bumpers are good, also look for brakes and also look for fuel tanks and look for crashworthiness of that. And that's what I think iteratively we're going to be evolving over time.
0: So you'll, you'll do this as an industry then. So that 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 was one of my questions is that as you build the Model is T that, as is that example of each one will have its own version of of the Model T. And I think we lost your feed, by the way. If you're, oh, sorry. You, you really are good. way too good looking of a guy to drop your That's <laughs> not even right. I shut mine off. No one cares. But you, This it's going to ruin the day. <laughs> and, and also while, while you're searching for it there, that was our first PowerPoint ever to make it on. I just want you to know. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I should send you a, like a trophy for this. That's uh, oh, like a PowerPoint, yay! Actually, I did. A, if, if I, let me back up. So the question you had, or the thing you showed from 75 points up to 225, I believe. What's the level of effort to go to that next level? I, is, it, is there, as is it, I mentioned, is it, like that's the Rob Addy Gartner? We're trying to get you to the third one, and that's the one you should never go to four. Just...
2: <laughs> this is. <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean that's again the the goal is to get higher and higher on that scale. Um, as I mentioned, we're kind of figuring that out, so don't quote us on these points at this point in time. Um, it's for demonstrating how we're going to get people. One of the nice things to change those behaviors. Uh, one of the nice things for us is we've been being mentored by the father of lead, uh, Rob Watson, who's the one that created that program, and he. Calls it this uh, transformational behavior and so or leadership transformational leadership and so you're really trying to transform uh, the onus on those people and the, the people running these programs to improve how they're operating and managing and implementing these systems so
0: I, that's I the make objective it, make it clear that the canadian said it, her job is to get you higher and higher yeah that's i I mean i heard that and i didn't hear anything after that i was like i
2: mean we're we're filled with lots of firsts
0: (laughs) all right so is so i have to ask the question then uh, is it just english models is it different languages does it matter
2: it's a great question. Uh, it's something that's come up. Right now, um, our primary focus is, as Manoj um, said, putting a roadmap together to really understand, is it the bumper, is it the brakes, is it the steering wheel uh, that we're looking at? And part of those considerations are looking at system type, um, regional type, and also different aspects of, uh of this work. And so whether or not we, we're trying to figure all of this out at the moment.
1: This, this working group that Ashley uh, launched with uh, what you see on the screen here with the World Economic Forum and Schwarz Reisman Institute, um, they just launched this uh, on December 1st. And over the next six to eight months, they are taking these use cases and doing primarily English to begin with, but they do have representations in the steering committee and in the advisors that are global. So if you have people not just from America, but uh, I was very pleased we had uh, close to 200 people uh, show up on this working group launch and there were people from uh, what, nine different countries or maybe more? Uh, Yeah, I think 13. 13 countries, yeah.
2: And so with that, like we will definitely have um, consideration of other languages. This is one of the biggest challenges with NLP right now is that even regional accents are different for things like subtitles, automated subtitles that are coming up or translation. So again, that's why I mentioned, even just looking at where we start, is it on system type or within industry or within certain regions, we'll start to address some of those challenges that come with that. And I I know that language is gonna be one of the first wow. challenges that we're gonna come across.
0: That was my next question, the culturalism of language in the model in the in the index and and using it in the models for like certified that's just it so it actually transitions to you know we can talk about a lot of things but i I have to give you this like there looks like there's so much work to do i i just want to run away and and just hide like and that's not even my problem to solve i get a i get the benefit of just interviewing you and be like a lot of work how does, yeah. how does someone get involved? I guess is, is, and I'm not sure who would take that question, but who, how would someone get involved or an organization or, or are you looking for people or are you looking for organizations or, or both?
2: We are, yeah. And we can send you the link to a survey that we have out right now where people can share more information about why they would like to be involved and how we, um, can leverage their skills as I mentioned earlier, um, we really want to leverage from this multi-stakeholder group. So whether you're an academic and you're doing research that's related to this and we can use to test and benchmark, um, whether or not you are um, coming from a research lab within a big company, we can leverage all of this and connect it in. We really see ourselves, and that's why I keep using this like umbrella (laughs) example, um, because we want to plug in all of this knowledge in. And yes, it's, It does seem super, super overwhelming, Um, but just like maybe the people that take on like million piece puzzle sets, it's really like that. It's possible. Um, We've seen how standards have worked before. We've seen how certification marks like for fair trade or forestry um, have come together and have really influenced that behavior. Um, Underwriters Lab is a perfect example of something that you just in the background now, it's on everything that we do, but these things were probably all super overwhelming at the same time. So leveraging knowledge from people that have done this before to people that are doing experimentation, we're open to take it all. So we just wanna know uh, what those expertise are. So that's why we have a survey. So we'll send out the link um, to you so people can fill that out.
1: Just to cool. add to that, that's I think right. you know the the way to sort of go about this is these four facets of what Ashley has picked out. One is for it to be a community-driven um, uh, initiative. Second is for it to be independent. That's and third is for it to be a nonprofit, which is what AI Global is. And for the last four years, you know, when we started this, and 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 fourth is for us to be having this notion of uh, uh, what was the term so, uh, 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 social entrepreneurship, right? Um, regulatory entrepreneurship. For us to be able to move fast break things put something out there and then get the community to start refining it the way it will be different from the standards in the past is that we will be launching this in nine month increments and we will be putting out there something and the community will shape it and and evolve it so the last part of it uh, we call ai global a, a do tank rather versus a think tank there are a lot of people thinking about it very few people will doing it so one of the ways we're going to make it into a do tank is use the community, get them engaged, put something out there, stress test it the real-life use cases uh, with countries and businesses, and go back and refine it, just like you do with the product launch. And in terms of how you can get involved, there are four communities that we're looking at to get involved. Community one are the researchers and academics who are building tools. Community number two are regulators who are trying to understand. So it could be the SEC or the OGC or the uh, HHS or you know, um, you know, GAO, Government Account Office. So all of these folks in various, or the FCA in the UK. So second is the regulators. Community number three are actual, you know, businesses and governments who are developing this and building this and applying this for their own. And then the last one are people uh, like the technology and services providers, the IBMs, the Microsoft, the Intels, and, you know, and then you also have maybe a fifth group around NGOs and Standards organizations like IEEE and World Economic Forum. So it, it, it's it's all of them, and the way they can help us with is both sweat equity and uh, monetary contributions. You know, it's a nonprofit; it's a 501c3 nonprofit, and our members today are companies, you know, brand name companies today, and would love to have people. And we have about 22 interns Ashley, that are working with you. Are at peak. So, so that's we're looking at both. You know, that's right there. <laughs> 22. She's she's phenomenal at that. She has this incredible ability to, um, and and I think it's spread over like three different countries or four countries. The interns are, so yeah, you both with your efforts, um, you know, as I call it, with your mind, your heart, and your pockets, you will take all three contributions.
0: You know that that gives me a question, me a more challenging question uh, is, you know, maybe akin to the. American Heart Association or you know it's very much so influenced by the food conglomerate those eight nine companies that control all the food supply Yeah. you know as the chairman of of this of this non-for-profit how are you going to or what mechanisms do you have in place to keep for those large tempting donations that are absolutely going to affect your your index model
1: I think I think I think uh, there is that dimension there is also the dimension of there's a lot of Chinese companies that have come to us and they want to be a part of AI Global. So there is this whole regional stuff that Ashley and his discussion. So the way we're gonna handle that, number one is the community, the steering team and the advisory board are gonna be picked from multiple companies. They'll vote it. AI Global, Ashley and I don't have a particular vote that says we're going with a Microsoft tool or a Google tool. It's the community that decides it. That's a very important part. Number two is membership gives them rights to information and engagement but they don't have votes on deciding what tools and which technologies are going and where they're going. So that's the second part. Third is we are going to have, uh, eventually we see this as AI global for China and AI global for Singapore and AI global for Germany. Right now, this is just one AI global, just building on like going, going back to my cars analogy. We're just working on car bumpers because the cars just got invented 10 years ago and we're just testing bumpers. And as more complex cars and people start using the same AI internal combustion engine to build boats and planes, um, there will be different countries who may want to start with the boat first rather than an automotive. So it, it will come through communities, it will come through different regions. And the fact that um, more dollars doesn't give you more boats um, is an important way to keep this neutral and uh, trustworthy because we ourselves have to be trustworthy before we can provide trust, Tools for trustworthiness, and uh, the last part I'll say is even the tools that we are using, like certify and stuff, we have we those are not um, tied into an Amazon cloud or a Microsoft cloud. They work on all clouds. So we make sure, and I have to be even more careful because I have a cognitive scale connection here, and and the bar has to be even higher than whatever we bring in. So we're bringing in tools from IBM, tools from Google, tools from Amazon, and tools from you know cognitive scale as well as smaller startups that are coming to us. So it's not, it truly is a community driven stuff. And uh, interviews like this, and also um, call it proctology like this is gonna help us uh, be even more transparent about this stuff.
2: Yeah, and if I can just add to that, the agnostic nature, but then also the open nature of this um, is really important to keep that check and balance in place. So making sure that whatever we're doing um, with the creation of this is also then tested and done in a transparent way that's viewed um, and ultimately decided on by the community um, is what's going to keep that check and balance in place
0: well thank you for answering. answer because it's going to be a always going to be a challenge right between yeah. moving the needle forward and doing it at the cost of you know what right and, and how do you balance that and the, and the optics of it too if you take a bunch of money even though you might be doing it very responsibly optics mean a lot for for what you're doing and as soon as that you know the public eye of that is like well it's not really trustworthy because they took you know a billion dollars from china and all of a sudden you're like but here's how we're using it we're completely open it's just it's trust is gone right so you'll have it's gonna be a tough balance i'm glad you have Obviously I would have thought you would have thought through it, but it looks like it's well on its way. Uh, maybe the final thing, you know, I really appreciate your time as we come down here is do you have any shining stars? I know you put a couple of the companies up there, but do you want to highlight any, uh, you know, any awards you're going to give, or if you're doing that, like t- talk about any companies out there that are, just like wow, I, or people or industries, like maybe one or two. And you know, for the 48 people that are going to watch this, um, they'd they really <laughs> appreciate it. I, every, every one I do these, I go, I, I add like four or five. It's more of a Fibonacci sequence, really, um, for the adding part. But no, is there anybody who's really doing well with, and this should get a, get a bit of a shout out.
2: Yeah, there's a tremendous group of people that are doing really interesting work. Um, as Manoj mentioned, Dr. Ghosh already, uh, we're fortunate also to have him on our board. So we're trying to leverage uh, his knowledge for our work as well. Um, so in addition to our board and our advisors, um, we have been working with some of uh the biggest leaders in this space, thinking about how they're implementing it into their work. So um, Anthem is uh, one of our members, but they're looking at just even questioning, what are the implications of these systems for a health insurance company is really, really important that they're asking these questions, coming up with their own internal policies. Um, So we're uh, hopeful to have some of their use cases drive our knowledge of this. Again, that accountability in place, um, but just drive understanding of how we're doing this work. Um, Alta ML is a small startup um, in uh, in Canada and they're asking themselves, how do we build this into our governance processes? So they build systems um, that they provide to clients and they've been really even rethinking what do their contracts look like so that um, the training and education that we were talking about or touched on earlier is built into how they deliver their software as a package so that they have to make sure that they're almost upskilling um as they're delivering that service um we have volunteers not only do we have the interns that are really regular and incredible um but we also have a community of over 70 people that have provided feedback on the trust index work that we've been doing over the past year Um, and so the list goes on and on the world economic forum we work with them
1: yeah, you know, on the banking side, HSBC has been, yep. so Anthem, HSBC, then governments like Canada and you know, other governments and IEEE, so there's a whole slew of people, but uh, soon I think Ashley will be announcing some awards. Yeah. Um, so be on the lookout for that.
0: Fantastic. Well, guys, thank you so much for the time. I, I look forward to maybe following up with you in a couple of months here to see yeah. what's progressed, any breakthroughs. I, I'd love to touch, touch base again. And I truly do mean this. I, I love the work you're doing. It's absolutely needed. I hope there was, I wish there was like 20 more of these out there. They're all competing for the best pieces. But the truth is, as long as one is leading the way, I, I believe that's the way to go. And it's going to be needed because there is a wave of this tech that's already, it's already out there being used. And I okay. think it's unbeknownst to a lot of people of how, uh, Easily or manipulated, and we want to get into gamification of of things. That's a whole different thing we should talk about. <laughs> whole
2: separate it, episode. Yeah,
0: I mean, it is. It should be illegal with some things for sure. You should not have gamification and everything. Different topic. I'll tease it for next time. But thank you so much, guys. Have a thank
1: you. Day. I just want to say thank you yeah. also for having both the foresight and also the cycles you're putting into help us get the word out. So thank you for being a part of our extended community now.
0: Oh, well, I appreciate that very much. I enjoy it. So um, have a good one. Be safe, everyone. And we'll we'll speak soon. Thank
2: you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.